Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. All right. Hello, everyone. Mike Cleveland here from the state of Washington in the United States. And I have a distinct privilege, honor, joy to be with my brother. He's not my physical, literal family brother, but he's my brother in the Lord. And he comes to us today from Australia, Bendigo. His name is Rob Robertson. And Rob, I can't tell you how glad I am to minister with you today. Thank you, Mike. It is a great joy to minister with you. Well, we've actually trying to think about how long we've known each other, Rob, and I think it's coming up on two decades. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's about 20 years. About 20 years. It's wonderful. You, you, you don't look a day older than when I first saw you 20 years ago or however long it's been. <laughs> but, uh, I'm so glad to be with you, and, and uh, just thank you, Rob, for how long you have, how much you've persisted through, and how long you've ministered with us. I just thank you, and I want to publicly thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for your uh, focus on the Lord, on, on the cross, and for, for just having taken us on this journey with setting captives free. It's, it's been a great, great joy. It has. It has indeed been. Well, brother, I think as we look at what we're going to study today, that we have a bit of a warning. Um, yes. As we talked about our subject, it became clear to me that this is a warning to people. And I was thinking about what you posted on Facebook the other day, a very sad story. It just gripped my heart. And I thought, well, what a good place maybe to start our discussion today, if you can share uh, what it was that happened to a man uh, that you shared on Facebook, if you remember that story. I remember bits of it, yes. Um, a pastor in America shared the story where he was called out. I can't remember whether it was from a man's wife or the local police that somebody had broken into his local church and was holed up there with weapons and uh, essentially was out of his mind. And it was a frightening situation for everybody. Um, and this man had been driven into a panic because of this fear over this coronavirus. And because he'd obviously been listening to the wrong things and he'd been, he'd been filled with dread and fear and conspiracy theories. And it could have been a deadly situation, Mike. Um, very sobering at a time like this, that Christians could be swayed to to try to to try to solve these problems themselves, to to bunker down, to to look for some other way of saving themselves. Oh, just frightening. If I remember the story too, when they when the police broke in and found him hiding in the bathroom somewhere, and he was frightened to death, and he was saying something about them placing a chip in his 
hand or his wrist or something. Was that? Yes, yes. And of course, what we see there is that all these different conspiracy theories start to merge in people's minds because that's what's got. And they go back to these old chip in the hand concerns. Um, and oh my, we, we, we end up losing our minds with things like this. Um, it's, it, it is truly frightening that so many people today, and you know, this, this man was a prime example of where we may end up if we take our eyes off the cross and we start worrying about all of these rumors. Um, I think you're, you're, you're so right in the sense of the cross is our anchor. Yeah. And it keeps us from going off. It keeps us centered. It keeps us from wandering. Yeah. Um, so this is the most important message. It's the main message of the Bible. And if we yes. can take these exterior messages and focus on them, make them the main point and, and instill fear in everybody, uh, then what we've done is we've said that the cross Jesus died on is of really little effect. What's more important is, and fill in the blank. Yep, fill in the blank. And that's the error. And so today, Rob, you and I are going to study a passage of scripture that I think speaks really specifically to our day and age of the pandemic that we face. And you have chosen this scripture. And uh, so why don't you lead us, brother, and we'll just study through this. Now, do you want me to read the whole passage first or just verse by verse? Oh, sure. If you want to. Yeah, sure. Okay. This was at a time when uh, Judah was under threat in Isaiah 8, um, under threat from Israel to the north and Aram, who had allied with, with Israel. And Isaiah was called by God to prophesy, and he, he cried out to Ahaz and to Judah, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And he will be a sanctuary. But, and, and this, this is what struck me because I went looking for this passage uh, a, a few days ago. When I got to verse 14, I was stunned. And he says, but for both houses of Israel, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble and will fall and be broken and they will be snared and captured. And I was delighted but stunned again that there in this passage warning about conspiracies was the prophecy of Jesus, the stone that makes men stumble. Um, and I should not have been surprised, Mike, because the entire Bible points to our Savior Jesus, to what he did on the cross. I love the, the contrast. If you look in verse 12, do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid, nor be afraid. So that connects conspiracy and fear. The, the conspiracy theorists install fear instead of they install terror instead of teaching truth. 
And so we have in verse 12 this, this warning that if you're going to go off into conspiracy theories, you're going to end up in fear. And the young man in the pastor's bathroom is a good example of that, shaking in his boots, fearing that someone had installed a chip in his, his wrist or his arm or something. Uh, so that's verse 12. And then Rob, verse 13, what are we to make sure and put importance on and reverence and be in awe of and fear? God himself, the Lord almighty. I just, oh, I, lo I love being reminded always that the Lord is almighty, Mike. Mm. And he is the one you are to regard as holy. Mm. He is the one that you are to fear. And when your fear is of God, there is no fear of man. Mm. Um, we could quote many scriptures, but there is no fear of man. It's all about what gets your attention. I remember this old saying from many years ago by a Christian author, what gets your attention gets you. Mm. Yeah. And if it's conspiracy theories, there's only one place you'll end up, and that's living by fear. I think of the uh, spies that were sent into the promised land to check it out, and they came back just absolutely quaking in their boots, afraid, in terror. Because why? They saw that the giants, there were giants in the land, and that the cities were well fortified, and they said they couldn't take the promised land because of the giants. Well, Joshua and Caleb lived by faith in what God had said. They had God in their vision. The Lord Almighty, as you said. And so they were not living by fear. They were living by faith. And Rob, there's just so, such a difference, isn't there, brother? Yeah, the difference is immense. Joshua and Caleb remembered the mighty deeds of their God. They remembered everything that he was capable of dealing with Egypt. And that was fresh in their minds. They were giving God their attention. They were cultivating these memories of how powerful their God was. And they had no fear, no matter how high the fortifications, no matter how tall the soldiers. It didn't matter. Yeah. And verse 14 of Isaiah says he'll be a sanctuary. Um, and so yes. there's, there's a refuge, there's a protection, there's worship in the sanctuary. This is what our God is to us. But like you said, Rob, how do we get there? How do we get from terror and fear and conspiracy theories to where we're actually believing the truth that sets us free? And, and that's what you mentioned there in verse 14. Now, let me ask you this, Rob. Why did you say that verse 14, uh, which describes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, why did you say that points to Jesus and the cross? Well, people can theorize about things all they like, but all that we need to do is to go to the New Testament and to look at what the early apostles and the early writers of the Gospels said. And Peter himself used this passage to talk about Jesus in 1 Peter 2. And he used it. And this is the interesting thing because Isaiah was giving 
had lessened to Israel at the time, but as with many, many prophecies, there were two levels. There was a higher level that this was talking about. This was talking about the future and Jesus. And Paul also used it in Romans. Um, so we know, we know absolutely that this is a prophecy about our Savior, Jesus. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. He's, he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This is, a, this is pointing directly to the cross, the rock that was struck. Um, and why is he a rock of offense? What, what are your thoughts about that? If this, if this does indeed, as you said, Peter says it and Paul says it, uh, both that this refers to Jesus, the rock of offense and a stone of stumbling. How does that point to the cross and why is that offensive to people today? Well, at the risk of offending our hearers, um, but we must because the, the truth does offend and it does save. This message of Isaiah was an offense to Ahaz who wanted to find his own salvation in the nation of Assyria. He wanted to work it out himself. And today, the gospel is an offense, Mike. It's an offense to those who want to figure out a solution on their own terms. They want to stock up food. They want to accumulate things to protect them. They want to protect their... 401k account or their superannuation here in Australia. They, they want to figure it out themselves. And when Jesus comes along and says, turn your attention to me, see what I have done to save you for all eternity. What I've done to resolve your sin problem. We're offended because we want to do it ourselves. And that's the offense, isn't it? We want to do it ourselves. We want to look to the government. We want to look to the grocery store. We want to look to guns, government guns and grocery stores. And, you know, this is all man trying to save himself, yeah. um, as you said. And, you know, Rob, I think Jesus quoted this very passage in Isaiah um, when he said in Matthew 21, 44, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Yes. Um, and yes. so there's our two options. Yeah. We can right now fall upon Jesus. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Oh God, I'm wicked to the core of my being. I may appear okay in the world's eyes, but I know my heart. I know my sin. It's ever before me. Oh Jesus. Please take it away from me. And we're broken when, when we do that. Because why? Our eyes are lifted up to the cross. And we see him taking our place. We see Jesus becoming, as it were, a lamb led to the slaughter. Where he took sin upon himself. Where he endured wrath. Where he was crushed and broken. And we see Rob that was for you. That was for me. That was in our place. And we look at that cross and our hearts are crushed and broken because we see how far Jesus had to go to rescue us. So it's either that, brother, or at the end of time, in punishment, this rock 
falls on us, us and we're crushed. There's a difference between being brokenhearted and being crushed to pieces, isn't there? Oh, Mike, <laughs> preach it, brother, preach it. Yes, yes. I, I, I look back at the time that I was broken into pieces, broken into pieces over my sin, over my legalism, over my striving to solve all my own problems through all my legalism. And, and indeed, he broke me into pieces. Yeah. And I had nowhere else to go. The only place I had to go was to Jesus. And I, I had such limited understanding. If I say this to anybody listening, if you don't fully understand the gospel, but it's tugging at your heart, don't worry. It will become clear. Just let him break you into those pieces and he will put you back together at the foot of the cross. And it is the most glorious, wonderful, just the most delightful thing that will ever, ever happen in your life. I feel like you're describing oh. me right there. You're describing me. Um, because that same experience of being broken and crushed at the cross, and actually it's not a one-time thing, is it, brother? It's, it's an ongoing brokenness and an ongoing healing that we experience as we come to the cross. So, brother, you talked about Isaiah 8, verses 12 to 15. It started out with the conspiracy theories, which produce fear, and it ended with the cross. Uh, and those are the two... Um, belief systems that we can have, either error or truth, either conspiracy theories or the cross. And I want to I just take us for a minute to 1 John chapter 4 and look through this passage with you, Robin, get your thoughts on this. And it starts off in verse 1, Beloved, and I'm reading from the Amplified, which I really appreciate. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, speaking through a self-proclaimed prophet. Instead, test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets and teachers have gone out into the world. And then, Rob, we ought to ask about now. Well, then how do I know? And so he says in verse 2, By this you know and recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges and confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh as a man is from God. God is its source. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, acknowledging that he has come in the flesh, is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and is now already in the world. And so it gives us an idea right now how to recognize truth. And it has to do with Jesus being God the Son, God in a body, God having taken on flesh, God coming to live as a man. That's the first way that we can recognize truth. And then, Rob, as we go on down, um, maybe we can just skip down. All of it's important, but for time reasons, and I hope our, our listeners We'll go back and read this passage. But for time reasons, Rob, let's go through verses 7 to 10 together. And do you want to read those? Do you have it open? Yes, I'm in the NIV version for, for the listeners. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves 
has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh, hallelujah. So again, we're keeping with the context of 1 John 4, which is how to recognize truth. And we've seen already that it's God uh, himself who put himself in a body and came as the son of God to do what, brother? To rescue us from <laughs> ourselves, to rescue us from our own sin. Not the sin of some government overseas, not the sin of other people around us, not the sin of, oh, whoever it is, but my sin. Yeah. Oh, how, Mike, I, and every time I sit and look at the cross, I am speechless with joy. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. And that is the effect of the cross. When you look at it, you see that it's not you loving God. It's God loving you. It's not you keeping the old covenant to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's God starting a new covenant where he put himself in a body to raise himself up on a cross. And Rob Mine says that um, he came and he sent his son to be the propitiation, that is, the atoning sacrifice, and I love this, the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin, and placating his wrath. That is what propitiation means. And so you look at the cross, brother, and what you see is that God the Father was, his wrath was placated. Now, the only illustration I can think of offhand of this is when Haman, in the story of Esther, in the book of Esther, when Haman was the enemy of all of God's people, and the king hung him up on a pole, hung him up on a tree. And the very next verse says, and the wrath of the king subsided. When that man was put up on that pole and hung up there in open shame for others to look at and to deride, the wrath of the king subsided. Why? Because he knew the destroying of that man meant the living, the life of all of Esther's people. He was not going to kill them anymore. He was dead. Well, of course, Jesus is nothing at all like Haman. But this is how God the Father's wrath is satisfied. His wrath is removed. And so, brother, as you look at the cross and you see this atoning sacrifice for your sin, what, what does it do for you in your heart as you look at the cross? Mike, my heart just bubbles over. It bubbles over constantly with joy because that which I could not do, that which was impossible for me to do, to balance the books with God. He did himself. And Jesus willingly and eagerly 
went up on that tree for me and, and satisfied. And God's wrath against my sin was entirely justified, Mike. Entirely justified. Such wickedness. And it not only satisfied his justice against that wickedness, but it began a pouring out of cleansing, of cleansing. We sing those songs about that precious flow of blood from the foot of the cross that cleanses us. And I, I, I am just, every day, Mike, I am astonished at the marvel of the gospel message that my sins were atoned for once and for all. Oh, it is just too marvelous for words, Mike. Too marvelous. It, it is. And I love how you said that, uh, Rob. And um, as, as we bring this to a close, I'm going to make a summary of what we've talked about. And then if I could ask you to pray for someone who's listening, who's fearful, um, who's experienced um, this horrible virus that we're all enduring, enduring as a world. And they have nowhere to run. They feel like maybe they're alone. Maybe they, they are, the social distancing has got to them. And maybe you can pray for them to lift their eyes and look. But I want to make a summary, and that is this. In the time of the coronavirus, we can either listen to conspiracy theories or come to the cross. And one will leave us in terror, put us in fear. The other will cause us to do what Rob was doing. And I was watching. You guys listening can't see him, but I'm looking at him. And his eyes were closed. And his heart was bubbling up. And I could see it in his face. And it puts us, Rob, at so at complete ease. It's the peace that passes all understanding. We are resting at the foot of the cross. Brother, we're we're receiving at the foot of the cross and we have no fear whatsoever because the perfect love of God has shown at the cross has driven out that fear from us. And you and I are sitting here at complete peace, at complete rest. And so what, what do we say? Watch out what you listen to. Be careful. Make sure, and we've already seen from 1 John 4, make sure that what you're hearing has to do with God becoming man for the purpose of going up on the cross to atone for our sins, to make amends for our wrongs, that he might rescue us, as Rob said, to rescue us from our sin and ourselves and from Satan, from all his accusations, to set us free. And that's a summary of what you and I talked about today. Brother, do you have anything to add? And then if you would, just close us in prayer and yes, pray for that one person that we talked about. I will. No, I don't have anything to add. There's, there's very little we can add to the glorious gospel message except keep repeating it and sharing it. Let's pray, Mike. Abba, Father. Oh, Father, we just, we just sit here together amazed at your plan of salvation and your plan of peace, peace in our hearts. Father, I just pray for those listening and especially for that one person who is listening, who is 
been who has also been listening to all of these rumors and conspiracies and is filled with fear and worry oh, lord help them to turn their mind and their heart now to the cross that they might come and read this passage in first john and be comforted and see that Jesus has not only dealt with their, the baggage of their sin, guilt, and their shame, but he has also conquered the world and the devil. And he is in control, even though the world's media are filling us full of worry and We can turn off and we can turn to you, Lord. We can turn to the gospel. And we can see, as Mike and I have in several different passages, we can see gospel hope leaping out from the pages, Lord, and filling us with courage and encouragement. Oh, Father, we just, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, that he, being fully God, became fully man too, and came and satisfied your against the sins of the world. And Lord, that the, the tomb was opened. Oh Lord, that the tomb was opened and that we can now live and live free and joyfully and just focused on you and your son Jesus, Lord, and nothing else and nothing will unsettle us ever again. Holy man. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.